0: No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Amen. Yeah, every time I come here, the chairs have moved. And, uh, 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 But anyway, it's good to see you. This is an unusual arrangement we've got today, but I just hope that it might be one where we can worship together and actually grapple with a a key verse of scripture, that John 3.16 one, which we heard amongst that passage there. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that those who believe in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Now, who learnt that when they were perhaps a bit younger? Me, for one. Did anybody come to faith through that verse? When it was preached? No. It is one of those verses that is preached, and, and many people have come to faith during it. And, and so I want to focus on that today. You know, we live in a world, don't we? We live in a very unsettled world. We've had Brexit We've had COVID. We've had all the problems in Afghanistan. We've had an MP murdered in his own surgery this week. We're in need of having something to believe in, some, some faith, are we not? And, you know, let's face it, we are Christians together today, and in Christ we have got something really valuable. We've got something that can carry us through whatever life hits us with. And I want to grapple today with, particularly with that word, one in the middle that we looked at, the word believe. What actually does it mean to believe? Because it's key, isn't it? And I suppose I raised that in part. I've read that word and I've grasped it. I've taken it on board and I've, I'm in love with my Lord, but I've also I have to recognise that not everybody, when they when they read that word, believe, takes that same view. Sometimes people say, "Yeah, that's great. I'm going for that." But then six months later, maybe a year later, it's dwindled. It's gone. That belief has di- has disappeared. And I want to look at that today. What is it that actually? Causes people to fall away. And perhaps you've got some of you here or some of you watching on the screen who've actually been put off of the Christian faith. You've looked at this and think, oh, well, perhaps that's not, that sounds a bit demanding. Um, and they've never made that step. Perhaps you've never made that step. So I want to look at that as well today. But first of all, I want to look at this, what it means to believe. Because it, it, doesn't, it affects all parts of us. It affects the head. It involves intellectually. It involves the mind. It involves the heart. And it involves the will. When we come to Jesus Christ when we believe in him. And it's interesting, that word believe, I don't know whether you noticed how many times it occurred in that passage that was read to us a few moments ago. Six verses, and the word believe occurred five times. And indeed, in John's Gospel, I understand that there's nearly 80 occasions in John's Gospel where the verb to believe actually appears. It's a big word for John, and of course it matches the word that... um, um, uh, we use elsewhere, faith, trust, they're all the same group uh, of, uh, of, of, of same, same sort of meaning. So today, let's think about this, the mind. First of all, there is an issue with the mind. It's not the whole story, but it's an important one. Um, we have what, what's called worldviews. There is a Christian worldview, um, I thought I might read it to you, but perhaps I won't. I mean, the Apostles' Creed. It's quite fairly short, but it's a description of God, of the world, Christian worldview. It talks about God, who created the world, who sent Jesus, sent the Holy Spirit. It talks about all the what I would describe as the essence of the Christian faith. And certainly when we talk about believing in John 3.16, there is an element of that. We are signing up to what it says in the creeds. We are signing up to what it says in the Bible. Because the creeds are merely a reflection of what's in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament. And we're signing up to that. In our minds, we have a place for God. We recognize that God created this world. And what's more, much more than that, that he's a God of love, and actually his motivation for all this is actually love. But of course, there is an alternative. There are many alternative worldviews. Every religion has its own sort of worldview. But I guess in the West here today, the agnostic, atheist worldview is a very dominant one, particularly in the public I ah, in public space you know there is, God doesn't get mentioned very much on the news does he there is an assumption that God I, he might be there he might be doing something but actually he doesn't get much attention and indeed the, if the like the atheist worldview is a very simple one there is no God the world here is by accident you and I are here by accident the life, this life, is all that we have. And so you better make the best of it. The life of pleasure is, what is ideal. When you get to the end of it, that's it. It's a very persuasive worldview. And, and, it, and the, the most persuasive thing, of course, is it has no responsibility attached to it. You can do what your life, as long as you've had a life of pleasure, that's fine. You're not answerable to God, you're not answerable to anybody at the end of it that's it as a Christian you see our worldview includes the fact that we are actually at the end of the day we are answerable to God our life is worth something, our life is valuable, God has purposes for us and at the end of it we are answerable to almighty God now, that can be a bit frightening, but it's also a wonderful sense of, you know, we're important. We have a place. God's got a place for us, and we should rejoice in that. So, first of all, the mind. It is important what we believe. That Christian view that we find in the Bible in the, in the, and, in the, and in the creeds, we sign up for that. We sign up for that. As Christians, we're signing up for uh, uh, that, that we believe that there is a God and that he's a good God and that he's got our best interests at heart. But, of course, that's not the end of the story. I mean, let's be quite blunt about it. Um, the devil would sign up to most of what's in the creeds. I mean, apart from the fact he didn't, wouldn't commit himself to Jesus, of course, but the facts about God, the devil knows. And we see, we see it appearing again and again in the scriptures. So it's not in itself. That doesn't mean we're a Christian, just because we've signed up that we believe there is a good God. In a sense, what needs to happen is that that belief in the head needs to move down into the heart because we're not dealing here with a God who stands remote upon from us and creates things and looks on from a distance. We're talking about a God who came close to us in Jesus Christ. He came. He came, if you like, he came away from the balcony looking down on us. He came into the street. Jesus was God coming into this world, coming in to live amongst us. Jesus, God and man. An amazing fact. This is a God who cares for us. This is a God who we can relate to. This is a God who we can trust. Not just a distant creator. A God we can trust with every aspect of our lives. A God who we can get to know, a God who we can develop a relationship with, a God who we can pray to. We've been invited to pray. We've been invited to ask him. We've been invited to invite him into our lives. This is not only a God who we can assent to certain facts, this is a God we can trust because he's a good God. He's a God who loves us but even that's not the end of the story because of course as human beings we have a will we have to decide we have to make decisions about where we spend our time what our priorities are in life and actually when we when we say that word believe we're also saying quite simply lord god you if you're god You deserve top priority in my life. You're the one who deserves to be in the center, and I will build my life around you. Believing requires commitment. We can't just sit back and let God do it all. It it requires commitment of us, because it says in, in Ephesians, we are God's workmanship, that's right, God's work was created to do good works, which he has prepared for us to do in advance. He knew us before we were born. Well, it's a wonderful package. And I think, just bear that in mind, when we talk about belief, we're talking about Something in the head, something we actually believe. Something in our minds. We're talking about something in our heart, somebody we can trust, and we are talking about a commitment of our will to this God. It's a wonderful package. When I discovered God 40 years ago, it was a lifestyle change which transformed me. I had hope for the present, and I had hope for the future. I had trust in a loving God, and I had a sense of purpose in my life. Before that, I was a man who was obsessed with success. That's what I wanted in life. I wanted success. And there was a dark side as well. There was um, what I would describe, I was dogged by depression. When things didn't go well, and they quite often didn't, Depression used to weigh down on me, a dark depression. That was me before. When I discovered the Lord Jesus Christ, I believed, and my life was transformed. I found a contentment in my life which I had never found before. But I have to recognize, you see, that my experience with God is not everybody's. And indeed, even in our own family, we know of, probably all of us know of people who've made that commitment, and and then six months later, a year later, they've fallen away. And we have to ask the question, why, why is that? Maybe there are people here who've never made a commitment because they've always had some doubts somehow in their minds, things they're not comfortable with, and it stopped them making a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would suggest to you today that what actually it is, very often anyway, probably not the only reason, is that actually that we've had some disappointments. We're perhaps disappointed in God. God has not quite done what we expected him to do. And this can be in a number of areas. It can be in prayers that are not answered. You know, we've prayed and prayed, and nothing seems to break through. I mean, in my life, I could point you to many times when we, we've seen wonderful answers to prayer. But there are still prayers unanswered in our lives. And I know that can, that can weigh on people. Why has even God not answered my prayer? Now, um, that's one. Secondly, the Bible you know, when we become a Christian, we commit ourselves to the Bible and, uh, as it has been the guide to our lives. Well, there's some difficult stuff in the Bible. I was reading this week about those pigs, those 2,000 pigs. You know, Jesus uh, t- t- got rid of the, um, the evil spirits out of the man and he sent them into the pigs. And the 2,000 pigs disappeared into the lake and were drowned. And, and I guess all those people in the area lost their, li- their lifestyle, lost their living because of it. There are the point I'm making. There are difficult things in the Bible, and if you're someone who is very committed to animal welfare, reading that passage is a bit of a bit of a blow. What's God doing? You know, surely he could have done it better way than that, couldn't he? Um, you know, that's another area, another area. I mean, the whole minefield of sexual ethics. I mean, let's be quite blunt about it. What the Bible says about sexual ethics and what the world says about sexual ethics nowadays are very different. Um, And, you know, if you're coming into the Bible and you're reading the Bible, you've got a problem, you've got a big tension there between what the Bible says and what the world believes nowadays. You may, it may just be people looking at the pain and the suffering in the world. I'm in mean, saying, how can there be a good God when there's so much pain and suffering in the world? It may just simply be the, the amount of violence in the Old Testament. And there is a lot. You know, how is this consistent with a loving God? Now, I have to disappoint you. I'm not going to answer any of those questions. Um, And in fact, I'm going to ask a question um, in exchange for it. Um, And the question is quite simple Where does the power to believe come from? Now, it could come from us, it could come from God. It could come from elsewhere, other powers around. Anybody want to hazard a a word on where the power to believe comes from? Sorry? Yes? Well, let, let me tell you. I mean, the Bible actually tells us very clearly. If we'd read a bit earlier in John's Gospel... Jesus said to Nicodemus you must be born again it's God that has to do something in us I mean it, didn't, it doesn't us of responsibility but God needs to work in us if you look um, in, in two, uh, <coughs> Ephesians chapter 2 it is by grace you have been saved through faith and what does it say next not of yourself it is The gift of God. You see, that passage we started with, 3.16, it looks as if three bits were from God and one bit was from us. But actually, the reality is, in the end, the whole thing is of God. Now, why do I raise that, you ask? Well, I'll come back to the questions that I asked um, a little earlier and failed to provide any answers to. And and clearly, if I were to try and find the answers, we'd be here till next Sunday, Uh, and I'm not proposing that we do that. Um, um, But the the point is that when these doubts come in upon us, and and let's face it, because we're human, those doubts will come in upon us. These questions are not just questions for non-Christians, they're questions for everybody. Um, and, and, And all of us at some point will have questions cropping up in our minds we've got two choices we've got two choices there we can either pull away from God or we can come into God we can come under his wings and that's a big choice That we have to take, and it's a big issue. And you see, it's it's important because what we what we're actually saying to God here is, uh, I don't understand all the stuff that you've in your Bible. I don't understand why the prayers aren't being answered. I don't understand an awful lot. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to come in. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to bring the problems to you. We either bring the problems to God or we take them away. Faith, belief, will never stay static. It will either grow or it will decline and fall away. And the message, the key message I want to bring you today, really, is a quite simple one. Whatever doubts you've got, whatever issues you face in your life, there's only one place to take them to, and that's to God. And don't pull don't pull away. Because God won't force us in. He only he takes people who are willing to come to him. And it's that willingness to come when things are not going well that's often key. It's what helps our faith to grow. I remember R. T. Kendall, one of the great Bible commentators commenting once he said you know I read the Bible and there's an awful lot in the Bible I don't like and I could understand that he said I don't like it but I trust God anyway I'm willing to put my trust in God and it was um, Billy Graham who made a similar point at the time of the, the, the 9-11 and the twin towers the planes went into the twin towers and into the Pentagon somebody asked him he said Billy Graham he said where's God in this and he simply responded he said I don't know where God is in this but I trust him anyway and I thought that's a wonderful clear statement if we go through God wanting to understand everything we will fail Sometimes we just have to move into God in trust uh, and leave it with him. We're coming to the end now, you'll be glad to know. Um, but I did, I did ask, I think we're going to have uh, the Trust and Obey, aren't we? An old hymn. Um, some of you may remember it. Trust and Obey, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. There's a few smiles around here. I can see you remember it. And, uh, but I've always remembered those words. They've stuck in my mind because there was such a deep truth in them. Um, and my message to you today, well, I think we're going to have a prayer time a little bit later. Um, and I would invite you, if there are issues today that are, that are weighing you down, that are actually causing you grief, Use the opportunity when we have that prayer time just to bring them to the Lord. Lord, why have you not answered that prayer that I've been making for the last two years or whatever it is? Why, why, why? We can bring them to the Lord. Do that today. And we've got this prayer tunnel. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen in this prayer tunnel, but maybe uh, we, can, we can use that in the same way as well. So God bless you. I hope that's looking at the whole verse of scripture has helped you today. Um, and I just appeal to you move on from here. He's a good God, and we can take everything to Him. Hallelujah! Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah.